0: What the trick? You are
1: listening
2: to What
3: the Truck? Yes. All right, all right. Come on, man. I told my kids they'd be on today. Those are my kids right there. Miniature duners. They were at the <laughs> they were at the park the other day uh, with with my wife, and um, you know they they listened to the show. And then he was he was riding his bike. My wife was telling me that that little. Uh, that with the train wheels on it, yeah, He yeah, was, yeah. he screams horn. he goes, "That sounds like the Horn on Dad show." <laughs> <laughs> so she she filmed, uh, she filmed that. Dude, that's awesome. Miniature cool. tuners running around terrorizing. People. Really, he brings the energy.
4: <laughs> I love it. I love
3: well, it. Well, <laughs> yesterday Jen Paskey, right at the White House, she called yeah. this the tragedy of the treadmill. What do you think of that in light of the White House having that big meeting last Wednesday where they were talking about 24-7 ports and we're going to do this and that and solve the shipping crisis?
4: At first, I thought it was a total gaff, yeah. right? But I think it's a lame attempt at like a Hegelian dialect type of thing, like the playing the thesis and the antithesis, right? Yeah. So you get both the best things. You just say something long enough and it's true, right? Yeah. Like, they're going to solve this no matter what and come out the good guy, right?
3: Yeah, yeah,
4: a, a poor attempt at something like that.
3: Well, we'll get later in the show, we'll get a little deeper. We'll go inside the newsletter and we'll find out how those 27, 24-7 port operations are working, if they're working, if they're even happening. So we'll get yeah. into that later. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, we got a bunch of great guests today. So let's tip the band and we'll get right to it. it. Autonomous trucks are coming with a huge potential windfall if you're ready to seize it. Start re-engineering your supply chain for autonomy today. Contact Locomation at Locomation AI for turnkey solutions. Now... Big of autonomy, big deal. Big deal was announced just the other day. Brad Gillette, head of Gattick, is here to talk to us about it. Brad, Good thanks day. for joining us on the show. Hey, doing and the dude. Great to be
2: here. Appreciate
3: it. Hey, you know everything comes full circle, right? Like they said in, uh, like they said, in true detective. Time is a flat circle. I was looking at your background, and you spent about five years with Ryder before you came over to Gattic, and now you two are in a
2: partnership. That's right. Yeah, it's a fantastic partnership. We're really excited about it. Uh, uh, Ryder's a great place. I learned a heck of a lot when I was there and met some great people. And uh, now I'm kind of working with them again. So it's uh, it's uh, a, a great time for it.
4: Yeah. So tell us tell us about the partnership. What is what is going on here with uh, with Ryder and Gaddock?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, we're really excited about this announcement. Uh, we feel like we're a perfect match for each other. Uh, Ryder uh, being a world class fleet management leasing. Uh, logistics company, uh, and we're the leading AV company in the middle mile. So uh, essentially, it's a two-tiered partnership. Um, Rider, uh, first of all, will purchase our autonomous vehicles uh, that are that are designed by us, and they'll sit on their balance sheet um, while uh, we'll lease them from them and execute the operations of, as we've been doing for for years for customers like Walmart and Loblaw, which is Canada's largest retailer. Uh, so this is really going to enable GADEC to ensure we're asset light as we continue to scale our business. Uh, Riders, in a, uh, I guess the second tier of our partnership is uh, Riders going to perform the maintenance of our vehicles. So uh, they're not only going to maintain the standard gas and electric mechanics of the vehicles, but also um, the AV technology and hardware. So the, the cameras and lidars and, and sensors and all that good stuff. And so I think by uh, leveraging their size and their expertise, uh, our partnership is really going to enable GATIC us to massively scale and quickly. Now you mentioned
3: the asset light part, and I, was, and I know a little about Gattic, and I know one of the things you promote is autonomous delivery as a service, as mm-hmm. a, as a model. What is that? A lot of people may have never heard
2: that term before. Sure. Yeah. So we we operate our trucks. I mean, we're essentially a three PL, right? Uh, except we are autonomous trucks. So uh, think about a, a typical three PL where uh, you know we're we're delivering from point A to point B and back, or point A to point B and C and back. We focus on fixed autonomous, uh, fixed, uh, repeatable routes, and so we just operate those routes except for autonomously
4: so th- those are total there they're b B2B fixed routes that are going on there's not it's not LTL final mile or middle mile or anything like that right it's no random stuff like that at all all like you would say like managed transportation right
2: yeah essentially yeah so we uh we, we our, our model is um, we always follow the same route the same turns it's mm-hmm. um, kind of our model we get to know that route really really well uh, so we always go as I said from point A to point B and back or point A to C to B to C and back, always following the same turns, the same routes, and uh, we try to uh, minimize any kind of risks that uh, that route will take uh, because we get to know that route really, really well, and that that minimizes a lot of the uh, unknowns, a lot of the risk uh, that that comes with uh, not knowing where you're going, not being familiar with the route. Mm.
3: You just opened a brand new autonomous trucking facility as as well, so a lot of growth going over here in Texas. What goes down there? Is it more testing? And when we say autonomous, what level of autonomy are we talking about? Because that's that's a place that I think a lot of people get confused as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. The level. Sure.
2: Yeah, yeah. So uh, we are we're live with operations in Texas for some new customers who we've we've yet to announce. So uh, as as we've announced before, um, we are we're live with uh, and been live for a while with Walmart and Lavla. Uh, we've gone live with some new customers there we're really excited about. So we're doing uh, actual deliveries. It's kind of one of the differentiators that we have uh, for for Gaddock compared to maybe some other AV companies is we are doing real live uh, deliveries for our customers. And, uh, and in Texas, um, it, that's kind of our newest our newest growth area. We're really excited about that. So um, we are uh, our, our goal is to be level four autonomy. Um, we have uh, we have uh, achieved achieved that Um in uh, in and, and just regular operations, so uh again, not just a demo, not just a um, you know a, a one off we we're doing deliveries every single day uh and we have autonomous operations I get confused all the time on the different levels is
4: devil, de, 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 uh, level four is that no driver in the cab or is level yeah, five level is four.
2: go ahead yeah. Yeah. So level five essentially is you can drop the vehicle anywhere and it'll it'll drive uh, and, and navigate anywhere it needs to go um, okay. in any environment. Level four is essentially the same thing, except for it's, it's constrained within one, what we call an operational design domain or ODD. Uh, and that's so it's constrained to, for example, for us, our operational design domain is our fixed route. So again, right. that point A to point B and back. Uh, so that's level four is uh, essentially you don't need to have a driver there. Uh it's, it's a driverless operation, except uh, it's constrained within a particular environment.
3: Now, Brett, how do you look at public perception of this and driver perception as well? You know, we, we ask all the AV companies about this because we talk to a lot of drivers on here and not every driver is comfortable with this technology. So how do you address those two sides of the market?
2: Um, I'm not sure if I understand perception, public perception or,
3: well, of, of the safety of autonomous trucks being on the road mm-hmm. and also just, yeah. uh, truck drivers themselves, their perception of these things, perhaps maybe encroaching on their own business or their own, or their own jobs.
2: Right. Yeah. So uh, we're addressing a lot of, a lot of problems that the industry has had. I mean, I'm a, I'm a career supply chain logistics guy and, um, I love, I love the things that you guys, uh, come up with your content and I, I, I've really learned a lot and, uh, it's a great thing that you guys are doing for the industry, but. Um, some, of the, some of the challenges you guys continue to talk about, first of all, safety, right? So our, our, our trucks are safer than humans due to our, our multiple redundant hardware and software systems. Uh, human drivers, uh, as we know, have eyes and ears. And in place of that, and when we go driverless, we, uh, we have LiDAR and cameras and radar and GPS, GNSS, um, all perceiving the environment around them to make sure we have a perfect 360 degree picture of everything around the truck. Uh, The second uh, industry challenge we're we're solving is the driver shortage, of course, that we continue to have. It's been an issue for a long time. And the third is, um, you know, we are addressing the truck capacity constraints that we see by maximizing asset utilization. Uh, So tender rejections, as we know, are are high due to the the lack of both trucks and drivers compared to the demand. Uh, But robots and computers don't get tired. They don't get sick. They don't show up to work late. uh, They don't have a bad day. And uh, trucks today uh, typically don't operate anywhere close to 24 hours a day. So utilization of our trucks is through the roof compared to a typical, a typical truck. Um, and obviously the goal is to remove the driver so we don't have to worry about the human factor, people showing up to work late, et cetera. Um, and so the, you know, not, not to mention the cost of of operating a, a truck is typically 30 to 50%, 50% uh, of that is is a, is a driver, right? And so removing the driver is a big uh, relief for that. Mm.
3: Well, we'll see. I mean, uh, that the, but the we're going to talk to a, a driver next support driver and we'll, we'll we'll see how comfortable they are with this uh with this technology cuz I some know aren't some aren't. are. Yeah, some are some aren't. Yeah. Um but I think that the point is and what we try to do on this show is bridge a little bit of that gap and get some of that understanding out there just to clear up misconceptions. Yeah, um absolutely. E- either Part way, size. and I think that that's only fair. Now Brad, before we let you go, uh spin that spin that wheel oh, really shoot. quick to get our question yeah. of the day. Here, here. Wheel of stupid questions right. turning around. Here what do is, you got? Here it is. Here it is.
4: How much money, Brad, should the Tooth Fairy be giving per tooth these days? Oh, oh man!
2: I, and I have two kids. I have a three-year-old and an eighteen-month-old. So Ooh, we you better figure got- this out quick. <laughs> this, this is important. Oh man! Um, nowadays, I, I don't know. I would say five dollars. Five bucks. That's pretty Five reasonable. Bucks. All right, let's go with that. Yeah. That sounds yeah. reasonable. Especially
3: in light of inflation, right? Like 5.4%. My wife left a dollar for the kid yesterday, and I was like, he got, <laughs> you got at least throw an extra nickel in there to accommodate uh, inflation, honey. <laughs> he gets enough Legos as it is. <laughs> well, hey, Brett, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Go Illini, and thanks for joining us on the show thanks guys appreciate it
4: (laughs) look at you with the goal line yeah 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 yeah. he's wildcat also though. speaking of humans
3: and a human we can celebrate right now it's new jersey port girl take a look at this video real quick of here let's look at this right now here she is she's getting her authority she's able to pull her first load look at that container on the back of her truck pulling that 40 somehow She yeah bring that back
4: um, yeah, it's exciting stuff for her, right? And uh, we'll get her, we'll get her name done. Is it Miss Port?
3: Hey, that's not Miss Port in New Jersey. That's a picture of Miss Port in New Jersey. A little audio trouble. We'll get right back to her. No. In the meantime, let's go inside the <laughs> newsletter. Let's do that. Come on, guys. Hit me.
4: There it is. <laughs> You've got mail.
3: Well, truck newsletter comes out every Tuesday or almost every Tuesday, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Go to FreightWaves.com slash WTT to get yourself a copy. I love it when it comes out every Tuesday. I love it, too, when it comes out every Tuesday. (laughs) Hey, let's take a look here. So we're talking about 24-7 ports. Ports so SoCal. We're talking to throw this picture up here. We're talking about 24-7 ports. Look at that. Steve Ferreira, he was up all night over the weekend. He Lights. was up on Saturdays, posting nonstop on Saturday, sitting up like a wild man, watching the port cameras, checking and out all that
4: action. Huh? Wasn't
3: seeing much activity. Lights he,
4: are on, but nobody's
3: home. They should have put him on a motion sensor, so he didn't have to sit sit there just staring at them. <laughs> exactly. Those came up. Uh, nothing went there. You know, our buddy Nathan Strang, he was over at the port too. He went over to the terminal, and he he put a couple notes here. He said, starting with twenty four seven gates, the terminal. Get this: the terminal has not even discussed them with the crews. There's no plan in place to launch them. For all of the second shift they are seeing, fifty trucks total most night, and none are coming in after midnight. And Steve for the picture the time on that I think was like eleven forty five PM yeah, Eastern yeah, yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. was I mean, granted it's a Friday. You're not know, gonna wanna pick up freight on a Friday or the weekend if there's nowhere to bring it. And that's been the case so far, right? Yeah, it really has. And a lot of a lot no trucks at all some nights. Yeah, well, and he talks here, he says one of the big issues is that despite that, the appointments are full, so there's so many no-shows that they don't have anyone on the yard. And the other issue he looked into here was all the empties we keep hearing about. And he said one of the problems is they usually have four to six cranes working on a boat, right? Right. But they've only had two, and because there's all these vessels out in congestion, when they're putting the empties back on to send these ships out, they're saying that they're running out of time. So they're not putting as many empties as they could. Wow,
4: so so is that is that does does the answer lie in there somewhere with the number of cranes on the, on the ships or the number of ships they're trying to build at one or do it one time? Right? Where because that's what we're hearing right now. Is you can't come in, you got to come in with an empty chassis. You can't even come in with an empty on a chassis. It's got to be a chassis and it's got to be empty because there's no room in the ports and if they're cutting ships loose without
3: getting rid of the empties, there's your backup. There it is. There How it do is. you
4: get more empties on those ships out of here?
3: Well, speaking of those ships, let's take a look. Throw up the ship graphic. There we go. Throw that up there. So that's a look on marine traffic this morning of the, of the SoCal ports. Um, but let's go back to the port of New Jersey. We'll jump back oh, inside yeah. the newsletter and get a little bit deeper in this because I think that we have her audio back up. So let's bring up New Jersey port girl uh, one more time. Congratulations. Welcome to the show. We showed your video. You had just got your authority. You got paid quick. We were wondering where you found a chassis for that 40-foot container. <laughs>
0: Well, actually, I have a lot of friends that are in the business, and I made a lot of friends with a lot of carriers, so I was actually lucky to be able to use the chassis. I didn't even have to go into <laughs> the port to get a container, which is great.
3: I love it. Well, yes. hey, so tell us about it. How did you—so let's, <laughs> let's start at where you're at right now. So how long did it take to get an authority, and how long have you been servicing the ports for?
0: Well, I've been servicing the ports for about two years, same mm. time frame as I've had my license, and— um as far as the authority, it took about 21 to 25 days for it to activate, but I did everything myself.
4: Nice. Wow. So over two years, so for two years now, so you've been mostly through pandemic issue and seen the rise and fall of the fun of going in and out of the ports. So what, what has your experience been like?
0: Um, to be honest, it's, like h e double hockey sticks it's really bad mm. it's uh it's the same as it's always been. I don't see any difference to be honest, that's my honest opinion
3: so it's just it's just as bad, so not not improved, not worse. you know, I hear a lot of port truckers complain, and one of the reasons I wanted to reach out to you is because you didn't you were celebrating that you got your authority. you were jumping into the fire to service this port. What made you decide to do that? What do you like about servicing the ports?
0: Well, with all honesty, I I do like the money that the containers bring in, Sure, but I like that I have the flexibility to be home every night with my kids.
4: Well, those are two excellent, I mean, to be honest with, sounds like you're almost ashamed of it. No, the money and being home every night with your kids, those are two excellent reasons for, for getting it. But uh, so you decided to get your own authority. Why did you decide to go out and do it your own, your, yourself, instead of staying with a company?
0: Well... I'm all, I've always been a rebel, so I mm-hmm. don't really like when people tell me what to do and how to do it. So, you know, if I have my own authority, you know, I am a carrier. I am the boss. No one can tell mm-hmm. me what to do and how to do it. I make my own decisions.
3: <laughs> I like that as well. <laughs> I, well, I love it, boss. So, hey, let's say there's other rebels in their cab right now, or there's people who are thinking of getting into trucking, especially women thinking of getting trucking. They might be a little bit intimidated by this whole process, right? Can you walk us through a little bit about how you went about getting your authority, um, especially in, in a frame of reference of perhaps someone who isn't familiar with, the, with how to do that?
0: Okay. So as far as getting your authority, of course, there's paperwork and, you know, insurance and stuff that you have to look into. I would definitely say, you know, first things first is get the insurance quote because that will dictate how much you will be paying per month on top of your truck note if it's not paid off and if you can't actively keep insurance on your authority you know you'll be they'll discontinue your authority and you won't be able to do any type of moves with any type of other you know brokers or customers or anything like that so in all actuality i just believe that people should do a lot of more research on it i don't think anything that i say right now will be able to give them enough information on it. Sure. It's a, it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot of research that they have to do.
4: It is. And getting, getting the authority. And I know you, you've, you've, you know, celebrating the first first move under your own authority, et cetera. Uh, what about the extra work that is there? You say, hey, I got paid right away as well. But now you you are everything. Your HR, your safety, your tax, your, I mean, you are everything is is uh, what to expect getting your own authority there, right? It's different. You're not just driving a truck anymore, right?
0: Oh, absolutely. You have to be well-organized. And if you're not well-organized, I wouldn't push anyone just to go ahead and do it because, you know, if you don't keep up with them mouse for your IFTA, if you don't keep the receipts for your diesel and every time you, you you fuel up, you know, that becomes an issue on you and then it could be a burden on your personal life as well. So you have to be really organized and well prepared. And that's why I keep my tablet handy too, because any type of notes that I need to take or any type of pictures I need to have, I definitely do it.
3: How long do you have when you're – so, we, you know, we talked to uh, – like last week, we were talking to GeoMars from Cargomatic, and we were talking about the issues over at the SoCal ports and, and sort of the nightmare it is dealing with that and the 8- to 12-hour long lines and, yeah. and the chassis issues and all that stuff. Are you seeing that over at the port of New York, New Jersey? How long are you waiting to to engage and, and get out? You
0: know, it's – um. We have about four ports ports that we service around here. Uh, we have Global, Mar, PNCT, APM, and over in Staten Island, which is NYCT. I'll be honest, NYCT is like heaven compared to New, the New Jersey side. All right. NYCT, you could be in and out within 45 minutes. But when it comes to the New Jersey ports, we could see wait times for as long as 10 hours. Like myself, I have waited for about eight hours just to... Drop an empty and hook up to a load and head out.
4: So, so you got some hobbies that you do while you're in
3: the cab for eight hours sitting there?
0: Absolutely. Tons of games, tons of games.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of that, you sent us some images of what's going on at the port. Let's take a look at them. Here's the first one. It says to advance the entrance to the port is about two miles away from this spot. Um, that's a challenge. And, you know, you, we hear from a lot of the dray operators that they, they get frustrated, they wash out. Some people even look down upon the dray. Oh, you guys are suckers for, for waiting in these, these long lines. W- what, uh, what is going on there? What are we looking at?
0: Okay, so that is the entrance to get into MAR terminals. Now, like I said, it is two miles to the entrance, but you still have to go through different factors to actually get into the spot to get your box to get to the speaker, to to actually talk to someone. So it's, it's ridiculous.
4: That is insane. So have you ever been up there and sit in, somebody's in in line ahead of you and they get up there and then they get on the box and they're talking to somebody and they get turned away and you're like, what a bonehead. They sat here for eight hours and they still didn't have the right stuff. No kidding.
0: That has actually happened to me. And it happens to a lot of drivers. Yeah. They'll, they'll tell you to void out. And it's, these are customer service representatives. So these are mm. people that you, when you get up there, you're like, hey, how are you? I've been waiting in this line all day. Can you help me? And they're like, void out. I can't help you. So then you have to go back around and make the entire line and do it all over again. And it's, it's nothing that anyone can do about it.
3: Uh, and you don't get paid, right? You don't get paid when that happens.
0: Most companies do not pay us for detention time. Some companies will say, okay, we'll do $25, $50, but it's after the two hours that you've been waiting.
3: Now, we have a picture here of global terminals. Throw that one up there. A picture here of global terminals. What what are we looking at here? You're talking about the the line, the, the, the queue to get in.
0: Yes. So the way Global works, it's, it's kind of confusing, um, but they have a specific section and it's called the L section. And after the L section, you have about 13 rows and about five slots to those rows where the crane will either take off the empty or it'll put your container on you. Mm-hmm. And it's automated, but that is the line to get into the line to get your slot.
4: The line and to get in the line to get your slot.
0: To get your <laughs> slot, exactly.
4: Gotcha. So it's like being in, in the one of drivers,
0: those. Go ahead. I was gonna say drivers, friends of mine that I know, they've been there pla- past the closing time of global
4: terminals. Unbelievable. Ugh, brutal. But <laughs> so it's like you're in a queue to get onto a roller coaster and you go around and around and around for 45 minutes and you go around a building, and you think you're getting on, but then there's like ten more rows that you gotta go.
3: Well, how through. do the appointments work? Are they are they different for each terminal? Because you know, one of the things we're hearing, one of the complaints from like Mars over in SoCal was you know, they waited in line for eight hours. They waited so long that their appointment window had closed. They got off to the gate and they got turned away because they said that you missed your appointment. And they said, I missed the appointment because I've been in line.
0: Well, as far as the appointment system, I do think it's pointless. They won't turn us away if we miss our appointment. But if you're too early and you've waited in that line, they will turn you away if you're early.
4: Oh, so do not be early. Yeah. Late is cool. Late <laughs> yeah. is cool. Maybe that's the problem. That's Late's a... cool. Early's not good. It's... Well, do they do that
3: to alleviate congestion because everyone would show up at like six in the morning and it would just create a massive line? Is, is that the reason for it?
0: Honestly, no. I think they just do it just to show that they're trying to fix the issue. But even if you were to go and I'll give you for an example, if you go into APM terminals, uh, if you're going into the slot to get your line to get your box, if there's a huge line of trucks and your appointment was for a certain time. If you're, if you're, let's just say your box is at slot 13, but a truck that just came in, before, just came in like after you and you've been waiting for two hours is at 15. They will service that truck before you. So you're still waiting. There's mm. no system,
3: no system at all. Now so, is is Mahar terminals just as bad. We have another pick here. Throw that one up, please. Let's take a look at this. What are we seeing here?
0: That is, that's the line. That's some trucks are probably trying to get out the terminal. Some trucks are probably trying to make it to a section to get their empty box off. And some trucks are probably trying to wait in line to get their slot. It's (sighs) it's mixed right there.
3: Now, it's Halloween season, and and you sent me a picture that looks like it's straight out of a horror movie. Throw that up there. It's this broken toilet bowl. And you also have some text on there. It brings up a great point that's talking about that not only is it difficult to find a bathroom. You're in these long lines. You obviously have to go at some point and. And for people to think, oh, uh, if you're used to OTR trucks, you go, oh, maybe they have a bathroom inside their truck, maybe they go with those mm. bigger cabs. No, these are dray trucks. These yeah. don't. These aren't over the road, yeah. long haul trucks with big suites for the drivers to sleep yeah. with their own yeah. portable toilets and all those kind of things. They, 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 that is nothing like this. And you bring up this great point that a lot of these are are because they're they're not around people. They're they're out on the street. It's it's. Not female friendly. It's putting you in harm's way. Speak a little bit about that.
0: Okay. So, as you know, I just had my daughter about nine weeks ago.
3: Oh, hey. Hold on a second. Hold on a little cowbell. (laughs) Congratulations.
0: Thank you. (laughs) So, I had her about, you know, nine and a half weeks ago, and I worked up until my ninth month of pregnancy. I was out here. It's because I love to work. But there are no bathrooms inside the terminals for drivers. Let alone myself. So for hours on end, I'm I'm there just waiting to get out the port to use the bathroom. And even I even sent you a picture, the porter potty. They spray yeah. painted on it. No drivers, and they even padlocked them.
3: What? Why? I mean, why <laughs> is it there so? <laughs> why is it? I mean, because I guess because they can because it's just a union thing. But why are they so antagonistic and so? driver unfriendly don't they realize that like ultimately this this could drive people away it it, 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 people get uncomfortable in these situations after a while
0: absolutely you know i try to figure that out as well i just believe that because of the amount of money that they're making they believe that they could just do whatever and no one will say anything to them and it's it's true like i've been in the ports where the drivers have gotten fed up and they've walked up to the machines ready to fight the guys and it's it's because of the way that they treat us
4: It's unbelievable. So uh, a little bit uh, ago, you mentioned that uh, I think you said NYTC was the best one. It's like going to heaven Uh, when you go there. What, in your opinion, what are they doing right that the others aren't?
0: To be honest, they're just doing their job. They don't give any attitudes. They help out when you need help. Even the security, they come around to see if you need anything at all. And the turnover time is great. And there's so much space for you to park. You're 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 welcomed.
3: Do you yeah. think so? You know, congestion is is picking up, especially in Charleston. It's picked up a little bit in New York, New Jersey. Not obviously, not as terrible as Southern California. But what are you seeing on the ground? you said it's kind of stayed sort of static at least in your perspective because you're stuck in a line anyway and you're dealing with people with attitudes so i mean what 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 difference does it make i mean it's uh it's attitude with uh yeah. with five hundred thousand containers or a hundred thousand doesn't make a difference. but what do you foresee for this coming um this coming the restless peak season here?
0: Well, I do believe that rates will be a lot higher um i I also believe it's 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 kind of hard to say, but I, I still don't foresee any changes coming, but I do believe that the rates will be higher. And hopefully, you know, Jarvis will be able to get that fuel surcharge that we're fighting about also.
3: Ooh, yeah. Ooh, we're we rooting for you. If there's any way we can help, let us know. We would we would uh, love to help you get there. Now, okay, so you got the authority. What's the plan? You Are you going to become a trucking mogul? Are you going to be... <laughs> You know, the the next big Dre logistics company handling the ports or right now you're just focused on on doing you being that rebel, taking care of your daughter and uh, and paying off that truck.
0: Well, my kids are my pride and joy. It's always about them first. So everything I do, it pertains to them. But I'm actually working with some brothers and sisters throughout all of the ports on the eastern seaboard from New Orleans, Savannah, Charleston. And we've come together to create a big movement to try to get some things changed within our industry, as well as, you know, even with the dry vans to work with those guys as well to see what we can do to fix it. And um, we have a couple meetings coming up with the ILA, the union. I've reached out to um, governors and senators of New Jersey to see what we can do to better the parking in New Jersey, because that's a huge issue as well. And uh, I don't know, maybe in the future, I'll be able to give some ladies some lessons and help them obtain their permit.
3: I love it. I love love it, it. I love it. Well, so we already spin the wheel of stupid questions. It sounds like you have some experience with kids. The question of the day is how much money? Should the tooth fairy give per tooth? Really? Yeah. Yeah. How much do you think? That's the question. Careful, your kids might be watching. Two dollars. Two bucks. Two dollars. All right. All right. Brad was given five. We'll we'll get adopted by Brad today. (laughs) He set the bar at five earlier. Her kids. Her
4: kids might be watching, so she wants to keep it. Yeah. Well, the tooth fairy. I had had the
3: cheap tooth fairy come to my house. My cheap tooth fairy left a dollar. Yeah, buck.
0: (laughs) Coming from a mom. (laughs) Coming <laughs> from my mom, I pay the bills, I do the laundry, That's right. I make the food. Two bucks is enough.
4: Yeah, like that's it. right. I like it. I enjoy it. Two the bucks and i hey. wash your clothes. How about that, kid? <laughs>
3: hey, New Jersey Port right. Coast, thank you for moving America. Congratulations on your new baby. You're already out there back on the road. Uh, your work ethic is impeccable. Don't be a stranger. And any issues come up with the port that you want us to address, you know how to reach me.
0: Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. You guys stay safe.
3: You thank you. Thanks it. for sharing your perspective. Peace. Cool stuff. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Got to love it. Hardworking entrepreneur gets the truck all doing this while well pregnant. Getting the authority while well pregnant. Yeah. Seemed like she had other kids at home, too. I, th- I think I was, I was picking up on that, too. She's got kids, multiple kids. Multiple kids. Yeah. And she's home. still out there running. Out, still out there, there driving running. the truck. And now she's taking that risk because she's a rebel. She's a rebel. Long hair man. don't care. And she's taking
4: on other stuff, man. Speaking of
3: rebels, we're gonna to get to one in just a second here. But first, with more than fifteen hundred maintenance bays offering light mechanical service and DOT inspections, Love's Truck Care and Speedco are invested in getting your drivers back on the road quickly and safely. Learn more at Tell Em
4: Dude. Hey, go to loves.com right after this show.
3: All right. And speaking of returning to the show, it is Colin Landforce. He's the CTO over at Unrivaled Brands. And my, have you grown since the last time we spoke? And we didn't even talk that long ago, Colin. Yeah, it's
1: great to be back, guys. Thanks for, thanks for calling me up again.
3: Can you, so get us up to speed a little bit. I, I know that you had a merger go on. Um, I think you might have gone public. Or I think you might be listed on some exchanges. Uh, tell, get us up to speed.
1: Yeah, so I think since we last talked, we uh, finalized a merger with an existing public company. So like you mentioned, we're now traded on the OTCQX uh, Unrivaled Brands. The ticker symbol is UNRV. And since then, we've really been on a tear. We've acquired a, the most prominent dispensary in Southern California, Peoples. Um, that, that was announced a couple months ago. And then uh, last week, I think uh, we were DMing about it a little bit, but we uh, closed on an acquisition of a delivery service in Northern California called Silver Streak. And, uh, you know, all these things are, are fairly topical for you guys. You know, the fleet just went and got four times bigger than it was previously. They're smaller vehicles on the consumer delivery front. But uh, we're, we're moving around lots of product. Not not on Connexes with semis.
4: So when you, when you, uh, hey, and welcome back to the show, Colin. I love your name. You should be like, it's a football player's name, right? right. Land Landforce. Force. Yeah. He's <laughs> a Landforce to be reckoned with. Colin Landforce.
3: Like if you play Madden and, he, and you go in a franchise after like a couple seasons, like yeah. there'll be like created players that just show up in the draft. Like, yeah. Colin Landforce. One should be Colin Landforce,
4: right? Big yeah. yeah. with spikes he's a, he's on his shoulder fullback. pads and stuff. <laughs> yeah,
3: fullback yeah. Back with spikes and
4: axes on his shoulder pads <laughs> and all that other kind of stuff. But when, so you expanded here in North California, I guess it was a Sacramento-based. I think it was delivery company, whatever. When you do that type of stuff, are you acquiring customer and customer base as well when you when you uh, make these mergers or acquisitions? I should yeah, say?
1: Ab- yeah, absolutely. I think generally speaking, any acquisition we're doing is to get the the intellectual property, the tribal knowledge, and the customer base, along with the licenses and the operating infrastructure, of course. So with Silver Streak, uh, you know, you've got a delivery service that's been a staple. In Northern California, outside of the Bay for years, uh, hundreds of five-star reviews, 40-something thousand customers with a, I think something like a 97% retention or, or return customer rate. So obviously a hell of a start there. And then when you look at our other infrastructure that's in place, we now kind of the world is our oyster in terms of uh, where we bring hubs in and, and how we expand that that brand and generally direct-to-consumer cannabis for users.
3: No, how does so how does the distribution network work, especially with uh Silver Streak, probably a newer company to a lot of our listeners, they may not be familiar. So what size fleet are we talking about? You mentioned that there's smaller vehicles. So how are you moving these things around?
1: Yeah, so just and I'm speaking just out of Sacramento, that hub, uh, it's around 30 vehicles. We have full-time mechanic keeping them running, doing all the maintenance, et cetera. Those right now are Chevy Chevy bolts. You can never remember if it's volt or bolt, but they're they are. Uh, gas, not electric, little hatchback Chevys. Um, and of course the whole fleet is consistent so we can interchange parts and maintenance is is, is yeah. consistent and all that fun stuff, but definitely a lot of moving parts. Something that's interesting in California we're allowed to do what is coined the ice cream truck model where we actually have inventory on the delivery vehicle out in the field. Um, so basically the uh, as regulation goes, you have to have an order to leave the hub, but then once you're out, you can move around and receive new orders in the, area, in the area that you're in and fulfill them from inventory that's already on the truck.
3: Now, now I got a question about this, because you mentioned that there are these smaller Chevys. Uh, you're moving weight around. You got this ice cream truck model, so you're talking about there's, there's probably cash on hand as well as the marijuana and, and product uh, stuff that you know, hijackers might want, carjackers <laughs> might want. So how do you keep like, the drivers safe within the network and, and kind of keep a little bit of secrecy on where they're going?
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, first of all, the a lot of the regulation is around is with that in mind. So you can't have twenty thousand dollars worth of product in a vehicle. the The limitations around how much you can have are actually by the dollar amount, which is a little bit arbitrary. But the whole menu is built around fitting into uh, that limitation for not having a ton of product, which is good for everybody involved. We also do card payments over the phone in advance, so. Yes, uh yes, we're picking up a cash payment sometimes, but again, these aren't a $10,000 cash payment. It's a consumer order. Uh average order values around $88 or or something like that. So, it's not a huge amount that, you know, that that goes back and is out of the drivers' hands and unavailable to everybody involved uh, more or less immediately. Um but I think a lot of it is just awareness, right? Like the vehicles are are cameraed up and all that. Drivers stay aware, they're not waiting around in in the uh, One spot for very long. And realistically, I think cannabis seems like an obvious target. There are a lot more vehicles with a lot, a lot bigger ticket items rolling around our streets right now, like an Amazon truck with a PlayStation five in it um, than than one of our cars. That's your power
4: power tools, all that other kind
1: of stuff. Well, that brings up a good
3: topic too, because every time these things come up, there's sort of this like public fear that's put out about, about marijuana. And you make a great point that, you know, an Amazon truck itself has tons of product that that people would want. There's, you know, armor car, all those things out there. Um, but the other like fear factor is like with Halloween coming up there, you know, I've seen all these news reports where it's like, you know, check your kids food. And when I was a kid in the eighties, it was like razor blades and Yeah, now razor it's like blades and apples and right? for, yeah. for edibles. Um, how realistic is the prospect of people ending up with edibles in uh, being given out on Halloween? Seems ridiculous to me. Wow. I've seen the price of edibles.
1: Yeah. I haven't, I haven't heard that one. I'm not, uh, I'm not all over the headlines though. That's crazy. Well, a I dude mean, in
4: Milwaukee, right? Saying, hey, I'm not going to give my, my edibles. They're way too expensive, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and uh, I don't know. That's, it seems like that, that would take a pretty sinister individual. And then all of a sudden, it's a very harmless thing to be doing for said sinister individual. I don't know. Seems bizarre. Anything can happen, though.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Colin, I'm interested in what the model is for these for these drivers, right? Because you said some things that kind of piqued my interest. Like they come to the thing, uh, and, and not necessarily the size of the car, the hatchback. That makes complete sense to me. But in order to leave the terminal, they have to go have an order, right? But then once they're out, they're allowed to stay out. Are they making commission off of these things? Are they, do they own their routes, these drivers? Or are they company drivers? What? Explain that model for those drivers.
1: Yeah. So with the regulation, we don't have any of the flexibility that I would imagine you generally see in trucking. Uh, but then even like the Amazons of the world or the Uber Eats, Postmates, et cetera, right? These are all employees. Um, all of the vehicles are our vehicles. They have to, the, the licensee has to have title to the vehicle that's being used. So either own it or, or have it under. A... So none of the flexibility that, like I said, the, the Uber Eats or the Postmates of the world. Do we have, and then, of course, I know that trucking relies on on independent contractors and independent owners to to run that, and that's just not a reality because of some of those regulations around
3: controlling who's actually moving the cannabis and what the regulators know about who's moving it. What's harder to find these days, the uh, cannabis itself or the packaging to put it in with, uh, with all these shipping delays? <laughs> <That's a good
1: laughs> yeah,
4: question.
3: related, I, I would
1: say the vehicles— uh, to move it in uh, that that 's been an interesting one recently we 've been we needed some new vehicles to add another hub and we were we had to scour northern california to get uh to get a handful of consistent vehicles that met our spec so that's that 's certainly one variable but yeah uh packaging there 's a lot there 's a lot on the water to be fair we 've had a lot on the water for a while now i know it 's a really hot topic right now um, but it 's been jammed up for a while and at least topically speaking, I know that there's more flown through the ports right now than, than uh, in most other times in history. So while there's a lot jammed up, there's a lot moving through. Um, for us, I think we're fortunate in that right, we're not sourcing our actual product from overseas. It's really, like you said, just packaging. And then in that light, it's really mostly cardboards and plastics, right? So it's n- none of the heavy stuff, none of the big bulky stuff. Um, which gives us a lot more flexibility. Worst case scenario, if we need to put something on a plane, again, not heavy, not bulky, we're pro- our cost is probably still way lower than we'd get at stateside if we have to DHL it, a, a pallet on a plane, as expensive as that is. Um, so I think we're, of, of everybody in CPG, we're in a pretty good position on that stuff. Um, but yeah, there's definitely some some question marks about the next several months for sure. Mm-hmm.
4: You just roll it up in a plastic baggie, dude. Sure,
3: mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Right? Well, it's he, I, like I, he has some really nice.
4: And... Yeah, a bag, you Just roll the
3: thing up, right? Yeah. 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 Or like yeah, the cellophane from a pack of cigarettes. You throw, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you throw yeah, a yeah, couple yeah. nugs in there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 Exactly. High school style. It's easy. Um, <laughs> I think. Do you still have the cat on the side of this building? Show us this because you're expanding all over the place. You even got this this new center here. I think you're converting. <laughs> uh, is uh, did you repaint that yet? Uh, not yet. Or actually. Uh, that
1: that's happening any moment. So that photo is downtown LA, uh, our people's our people's downtown LA store. It's a beautiful building from what I understand. It was previously finished to be a, a, uh, pet hotel, uh, hence the art all over the side that that art will be short lived, but yeah, that's downtown LA. It's right in the thick of things. Um, and, uh, we're, we're excited about that one for sure. The people's brand is an iconic retail brand in California. Here we this so this photo is uh, that first floor there is going to be the retail floor. Uh, we're going to do offices up above in that open second story, and then uh, there's a lot of space in this building to do a lot more. And then that first photo you showed also is I think around 40 parking spots on site, uh, which is an exciting prospect in downtown LA to get off street and not have to find parking. So, yeah, we're excited about that one, and uh, uh, that's a Q4 thing, and, and more more coming in 2022.
4: That's awesome, hey Colin. I'm interested. Is there a seasonality to this to this business? I mean, you know, there's like you know, summer months or in the spring. You always we have the, the Gatorade season that we always see uh, coming out of uh, like uh, Phoenix, where it is where you all of a sudden start seeing this when the weather hits. Is there seasonality to this?
1: Yeah. So you have indoor product and you have outdoor product, and everything is being grown outdoors using the same sun. Um, so we are in the middle of October, which is uh, aptly known as Croptober. Because again, anybody that's using the sun is, uh, is on the same schedule, the same calendar. And so for an outdoor grower, a lot of folks who've had plants in the ground for several months now, this is, uh, uh, everybody is coming to market at the exact same time, finally getting some sales, finally getting some revenue at mm-hmm. the exact same time. So there is a, there is a ton of seasonality in cannabis, uh, particularly around the sun grown and outdoor. And for context, that, th- this means, generally speaking, this is the, the value products. The cheaper stuff, as well as the inputs for anything oil-related, whether that's a a cartridge or an edible or anything in that realm. Generally speaking, a lot of those inputs are grown outdoors because it doesn't need um, the beautiful uh, uh, indoor nugs that you see when you have all the control in the world of an
3: indoor grill. Now, so what is considered uh, what's considered better is 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 it the outdoor or the indoor? Probably the indoor sounds like more controlled. But sometimes, I mean, I've heard people on the street, uh, friends say that the um, sometimes they like the outdoor better. Yeah. I mean,
1: there's beautiful outdoor cannabis. Uh, I think Southern Oregon, Northern California are growing the best outdoor in the world um, and, and will be for the foreseeable future. Just climate wise, it's perfect. And uh, I think there's definitely a lot of proponents of the terpene profiles and other elements that you get Uh, In outdoor, a lot of these things are similar to wines in terms of the regions and and the weather has so much to do with what a particular crop looks like. That being said, the top shelf uh, has been and will continue to be on the flower front uh, grown indoors because you have perfect control over temperature, humidity, obviously lighting conditions, uh, and you have that control every single hour of every single day, whereas Growing outdoor, you could get hit by a storm a week before, before harvest and potentially change the outcome. Remember, a couple of years ago, uh, when the west coast was getting hit with wildfires, we talked to growers with, with crops that didn't get burned down but they were in the vicinity of wildfires. They've got all this product that, that smells and tastes like smoke because it's outside and in the elements. So, um, indoor is definitely top shelf and will continue to be. There's a lot to be said for what you get out of an outdoor, sun grown product.
3: Now, you also, it says on here, Unrivaled Brands is home to Corova, the market leader in high-potency products across multiple categories. And they're currently available in California, Oregon, Arizona, and Oklahoma. Do you work on this or across state lines at all? And does that does that complicate things?
1: Yeah. So, Oklahoma and Arizona is a licensing arrangement that we have with, with a partner out there, which is great. Um, so, anything cannabis-specific is state-specific. So, the licensing, the facilities, the operations are all state-specific. Um, obviously, things like logos and packaging can cross state lines. So um yes, everything we do for better or for worse is uh, is redundant by state because the cannabis itself can't uh, get put in a truck and cross those state lines. So obviously, there's a lot to look forward uh, to in terms of efficiency when federal legalization happens, and we can have, for example, one factory uh, uh, for every for all markets potentially, rather than one in each market. But that's kind of the nature of the beast right now. Everybody's dealing with the same, uh, with the same issues there. And uh, I think the most fun part about it is so much of this stuff is the same, but not quite. Right. It's very similar, but different. Um, and that goes from the, the, the product itself to uh, the rules around labeling and packaging. And, and uh, you know, California needs tamper evidence seals. Oregon doesn't. Uh, Oregon has to leave in a CR container. Um, California has to be physically packaged in a, in a CR container, right? Um, there's so many of these things are very, very similar, but then when it comes to the sourcing of components, a lot, a lot of time you end up same product line, same SKU. there's still two versions of it because they're not quite the same.
4: Yeah. So I imagine that once you get that federal legalization and you don't have to do this type of stuff, your efficiencies, your costs of of product, et cetera, can come down quite a bit because you have this, but also like quality control. How do you handle that type of stuff? You've got the same brand. And like you said, packaging and logos can, can cross state lines. So you could, you got the same brand in different States, but different source product. How do you control that?
1: Yeah, so we are either, uh, and it varies by product line, but we're either making it ourselves or working very, very closely with partners. I think in a lot of more mature industries, you can just, here's your lineup of 10 contract manufacturers, pick one and go. That's obviously not the case in cannabis. There are way too many variables in every part of the supply chain to really do that. So uh, we we're able to get consistent both state by state, as well as batch by batch is probably a bigger challenge for a lot of people just because we're either doing it ourselves or we're very, very entrenched with our, with our partners that are doing it. And really that's table stakes. I think a lot of people, especially in early cannabis and uh, years prior are here, here, I got my logo. Let's just go take it and line it up. And then all of a sudden you end up with this product is a CO2 based extract in state X. And it's a, it's a BHO based extract in state Y. And uh, that's not what a brand is, right? Like you can, the logo is the same, but that's not how brands work. That's not how consumer packaged goods work. And uh, I think that consumers will deal with that only as long as they have to. We're, of course, in that realm where where that is a reality. Things like that can still survive. But I don't think that's a part of the big picture of cannabis CPG and where we'll end up as the industry matures.
3: Colin, hey, thanks for sharing your success with us. Before we let you go, we got to ask you, Tooth Fairy, going rate right, 2021. What should what should the tooth fairy be putting under the pillow?
1: Man, so my daughter is she just turned two a couple of months ago. Um, I, I'm not gonna lie, I heard the tail end of your last interview, <laughs> uh, and I I generally like uh, I think there's a quote that's something like. Uh, the key to happiness is setting low expectations. Mm. So I'll fall. I'll, I'll tack on. I'll go with the two bucks. Like she said, <laughs> All right, um, keep the bar low, easy to please. Uh, yeah.
3: Well, yeah. If you put too much to it, then all of a sudden your kid, like their teeth just magically start falling out much quicker. <laughs> yeah. They start tying. Yeah. Just, yeah, like, right? uh, Next thing you
4: know, they're throwing a, 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 an iron off yeah, the yeah, ledge. potential floss to the doorknob <laughs> yeah. and looking, slamming looking it real quick.
1: Pliers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Hey,
3: Colin, people want to connect with you and follow your journey. Where do I send them?
1: Twitter. Land Force, L-A-N-D-F-O-R-C-E, just like it sounds. Uh, Come find me on Twitter. I'm all
3: over there. I love it. Go find them. Go find them. Thanks, man. Take care. All right, let's throw that vessel map back up. We'll talk about this. We'll get back inside the newsletter. Throw that up there right now. What you're looking at is from Marine Exchange. That is this morning. We are currently at, according to Marine Exchange, that's Marine Traffic, according to Marine Exchange, we had 68 vessels out there. And if you look at something over there, they're starting to move a lot of them away from Southern California because of that oil spill. But there's so many; they're starting to bleed down. I was looking at this the past couple days, and like they had almost none down that way. they were all pushing them north of the port. Yeah, yeah and now drift they're drifting a back. New,
4: down. A drift is a new term that I hadn't heard before. Well, they, they only, only have so many anchors. About anchored. Now they, they call it a
3: drift. No, no, right? no, no, no. They only have so many anchorages there. Right, right. I forget right, the exact right. number. It's something like twenty-four or thirty or whatever. So right. whatever can't get anchored is drifting. Is is just drifting. Okay. Correct. Right. Um, gotcha. And those are the anchors. I mean, the drifting ones, I think they still throw their, their anchors down. I think that might have been the issue with the pipeline if they were an anchorage. I'm <sighs> not know. exactly I sure. I, I haven't done the forensic science on that, one, <laughs> on that one yet. But what you're seeing there is 68. Now, the record set in September in mid-September was 73. We were at 70 on Monday down to 68. A lot of volume coming in. You think that so over under seventy three point five this week? I think that's a fair. I think
4: that's a fair over under line right there, seventy three point five. Yeah, I'll going? take the over. You're going over. I'll take the over.
3: All right, we went, I would have if, if we were at seventy one yesterday, but we were going down. I think they're going down, but there's some reasons to believe that we may not. So you all heard last Wednesday when the the president he met with the Coca Cola Walmart. Couple of big things notable by their absence, though, were the steamship lines. They weren't there. The ports <laughs> were there, though. And they talked about going to 24 7. And it was ballyhooed about we're going to 24 7 at the ports. The press release makes it seem like all of the terminals are going to 24 7. We're just going to, it's going to happen. It's going to launch. It's, it's right away. Unfortunately, that's not really the reality of what's been happening, is it, Michael?
4: No, it is not the reality of what's been happening. They're not all going 24 7, right? There's only like, what, what, what one and three or one, one.
3: There's the terminal there's the terminal that's over in, in Long Beach and um It's like the one terminal, right,
4: is twenty-four-seven.
3: It's the one terminal that's over in Long Beach that's that's 24-7. And as as we were reading from Nathan earlier, he was over at the port and he was talking to the drivers out there. They were saying one of the reasons they haven't is because at night only 50 trucks are coming. Now the debate could be that um are they not coming because the terminals aren't open, or are the terminals not open because the trucks aren't coming. I would say, can we try to open them all and let this, let this work? Because right now, that press release came out and nothing happened. Nothing's happened. Yeah, no, absolutely
4: nothing's happened. They said it was totally. They, they tried to implement the full program there, twenty four seven, but it, it completely, it completely failed. Nobody's doing that stuff. And the other problem is looking at the the truck drivers, right? If they can go, okay, I'll get up and I'll go and do this. Maybe it's easier. I don't have to wait ten hours and I can get this stuff in. W- where am I going? The, the warehouse to go get an empty chassis is not open.
3: That's the thing, and you know you're Nobody's not taking. like great. Coca Cola, Walmart, and Samsung are on board, but those are only a couple warehouses. I mean, they don't make up the majority of no. the imports coming in through the port over no, there. No, they absolutely don't. You gotta get the rails on board too, right? Now there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there though. Sure. Right? Well actually the rails are doing the rails are doing well. Let's throw up this tweet from the Port of LA. So I don't wanna I don't wanna completely Uh, Be negative here about the ports and say that nothing is happening because a few things are happening. One is this improvement on rail where the Port of L.A. talked about in the past 30 days, the containers in the rail yard have been cut in half. And Nathan Strang from uh, Flexport, who posted Mm -hmm. that Twitter thread that I was reading from, he was actually at the terminals yesterday and he was seeing that firsthand. and, And yeah. That, that part of it is actually getting cleared up nicely, is, is the rail, which is nice. a big component, which is good. But the problem is what's going on on the trucking side, which is still having those issues with scheduling. In fact, Hatbag Lloyd put out their North American operational update just yesterday, yep. right? And they were saying that the average, the average wait for a berth now has gone from 9 to 12 days. So when these <laughs> things expand, these things compound, Correct. Yes, Greg Miller. He said, Greg Miller, our own Greg Miller, he thinks this is only going to get worse. He thinks that we may break that 73. He thinks we may go over on that 73.5. And in that report, what they're talking about, also, Hapag Lloyd said conditions are deteriorating. They're not getting better. They're saying that there's still the chassis problems. And they said imports wait for an average of six days for trucks to pick up. And street dwells are up to nine days. So all of these things are added together with those wait times. And that's why you're all waiting. For your containers,
4: yeah. And as you go to nine days to twelve days, and you go above seventy three point five truck or ships at anchor or adrift, you start lessening that time that they're gonna that they're gonna waste. Yes. in 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 quotation marks, putting empties on that ship and cut them. Quicker to those times,
3: like we said before, you got to cut them short. Big Facebook conspiracy theory going on. Throw up this conspiracy theory picture. Uh, big Facebook conspiracy <laughs> theory going on, where people are blaming both Carb and AB5. Um, we've spoken to the port truckers at LA. Nathan was talking to them. Uh, carb and AB5 are not having an impact. They, no. they the trucks that are the, the trucks that service the port are Carb compliant. Carb is not a new thing. And it goes back far enough that there's not a ton of older trucks that are trying to run over there anyway. 96%
4: They've, compliance already.
3: Yeah, the California Resources Board says that 96% of the truck service in California's major ports are already compliant with CARB. Now, you can say, okay, some have moved on because they couldn't be there. Fine, but there's still that giant line to get into the port. The other one is AB5. So this is a little bit more complicated because this is a threat. This is a threat. If the Supreme Court decides not to hear it, this will be a threat. and it it's, it's a potential future threat. Yeah. It could ruin that 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 operator model sure. over in California. However, it hasn't right now, and it's not keeping owner operators from servicing the ports, not keeping independent contractors, it's not keeping leased on drivers, it's not keeping any of that stuff from servicing the port at the moment. So
4: just, just drive down there and look at the two-mile-long plus line that's going yeah. into the port, and you'll see that neither one of these is because there's no trucks to go get the stuff.
3: Here's a strange way of giving back. This company here, throw this thing up. This company, throw this picture up here. This company says to supply chain workers. Uh, supply chain workers. <laughs> they are going to give you I, I don't even know how to say this sensitively, and it seems like it's a, a scam, but they say we've been working so hard that you put your VR device on and you can experience their adult entertainment. Yes. <laughs> They're saying it's the supply chain crisis Just marketing? Yeah, I, or you think it's altruistic. That the email address is save Christmas. It's marketing. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we'll be back Friday. Find me on Twitter at Timothy Duner. That's Vincent the Dude. Take care, come out to be
4: Peace and love. Spread it everywhere.